Good morning. For our scripture reading this morning, we're in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll begin in verse 14 and read down through verse 17. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Hebrews 12 and verse 14, the Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Lord, I just pray that we would be a thankful people, not just this week or around Thanksgiving, but always. Lord, you deserve so much of our thanks all the time. Lord, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 says that to be thankful is, is your will. It's, it's your will for us to be thankful. And I just pray that we would, we would do that, that we would constantly be grateful for what it is that you have given us so much, so much more than what we deserve. And Father, I just pray that you would be with preacher as he speaks this morning. Fill him with your Holy Spirit and use him in a mighty way. And just pray that our hearts would be open to exactly what you have for us this morning. And uh, Lord, just pray that you bless the, your word, the preaching of it, the reading of it. And we love you and thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to look at a passage of scripture here in Hebrews. Take a little break. We've been studying discipleship and we'll get back to that. But I wanted to think a little bit along the lines of thanksgiving and tying together with that the thought of how to deal with bitterness in our life. You know, we come to Thanksgiving time and many of us enjoy that time, but unfortunately there's some people that struggle with it because of bitterness towards family members, towards friends, used to be friends, uh, towards sometimes spouses, various things in, in their life. And the Lord said to us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, He said, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, we are to give thanks. It doesn't say that we have to give thanks for everything, though there are other places where it teaches that. Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good. We can give thanks for everything because God uses them for good in our lives. But in everything, whatever we're going through, we can give thanks and we should give thanks. Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Enter into his courts or his gates with thanksgiving. When we come into church this morning, do we come in with thanksgiving? Are our hearts filled with gratefulness and thankfulness for all that he has done for us? As I thought about that, we, if we, many times we struggle with bitterness in our lives because we are not thankful. Because we don't always see the full picture, the whole picture, and know what God is doing in our lives. And so sometimes we struggle 
because we feel the pain and the suffering and the various things that we're going through, and we forget that God's working in our life. And here in these verses, in verse number 14 of, of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. I used to think that if I did not have peace and holiness, that meant that I would not see the Lord. But I think there's more to that. I think what the Lord is saying here is that if I don't have peace and holiness in my life, then other people are not going to see the Lord. They're not going to see the Lord in me. They're not going to see the Lord as they watch my life. Through the years we've had and many of you have as well, we've had situations where family members have gone to be with the Lord. My dad and mom are both in heaven. I have five brothers. Four of them are in heaven. I told the one that is left, if he didn't straighten up, he was next in line. But uh, they're with the Lord. Two of my, two of my uh, siblings have had one of their children killed in automobile accidents. Uh, We've all had struggles of things like that that we've gone through. And if we don't understand that God uses those things in our life, and he uses them for his glory, whatever we go through, all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so this morning as we think about this, I want to give you just four quick statements, and then I want to look at three things in relation to this passage of Scripture and to the matter of bitterness First of all, everybody has been hurt. Everybody has been hurt. You look around you and you'll see people in this world that have pain and suffering. In fact, the Bible says, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Another passage says it's impossible, but that offenses should come. Not everybody's been hurt in the same way. Not everybody's been hurt to the same degree, but everybody's been hurt. We've have to, we have to deal with the hurts in our life. Secondly, these hurts can turn to bitterness. They can turn to bitterness. He says in verse 15, Looking diligently, lest any man fail, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness is a hurt that we hang on to. It's one that we don't forgive. It's one that we don't let go of one that we don't deal with in our lives, we hang on to it. And so these hurts can turn to bitterness. Thirdly, God tells us to respond to these hurts with grace. We're to respond to them with grace. Again, in verse number 15, he said, Look diligent, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. The reason we get bitter is because we fail of the grace of God. God gives to us grace to deal with the situations that we have to deal with in our life. Now, one of the areas we struggle with is when we pick up offenses of other people. In other words, it's not we that have been hurt, but it's somebody else, and we pick up their hurt or their offense. God doesn't give grace for you to pick up somebody else's offense. He will give you grace for your hurts. And he says here, we're to look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Sometimes we say grace is unmerited favor, or we say grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And all of those are true, but I think it's more than just unmerited fa favor. 
If I came to your house tomorrow and I said to you, I'm hungry, would you give me a sandwich? Most of you would give me a sandwich. A few of you would say, preacher, you need to be on a diet, you don't need a sandwich. But you'd give me a sandwich. That would not be grace. That would not be unmerited favor. I wouldn't come back to church and say, you would not believe the grace that was shown to me. They gave me a sandwich. No, that's not really grace. But if I went to your house and I let your dog out and I poisoned your cat and I took an ice pick and I punctured all the tires on your car and I poured sugar down your gas tank and I took soap and rubbed it on the screens on your windows and I stomped all your flowers out in front of the house and then I came to you and said, hey, I'm hungry, would you give me a sandwich? If you gave me a sandwich then, that would be grace, wouldn't it? That would be grace. You see, grace is more than just unmerited favor. Grace is favor that's shown towards people who have demerit. In other words, grace is something that is shown towards us that we don't deserve. Christ died for us, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners. When we got saved, we were the enemies of God. And so God gave His Son for those who didn't deserve it. That's grace. That's unmerited favor. And so grace literally is giving good to people that deserve bad. Now that's not in our realm of thinking, humanly speaking, is it? We want to get even. I don't get mad, I just get even. But grace is when I show favor towards those who deserve bad. So everybody's been hurt. These hurts can turn to bitterness. God tells me to respond to these hurts with grace. If you have a root of bitterness inside of you, it is a poison that you feed yourself with. It is a cancer that eats you up from the inside. We hear the saying sometimes, it's not what you eat that's killing you, it's what's eating you. That's the bitterness that's inside of you that eats away at us. And we have to deal with it. We have to, we have to settle it. But you know, sometimes we deal with the bitterness and we think we got it settled and it's all taken care of and we go along for a while, okay, and then something happens and all of a sudden there it is again. It comes up again. Maybe an anniversary of a terrible event that took place. Maybe a daughter turns the same age that her mother was when she was hurt or something awful happened to her. Maybe somebody out of your life comes back into your life and all of a sudden there you're faced with that bitterness where all of those feelings that you thought were gone and dealt with come roaring back into your life. And you might even say, preacher, it didn't work. It didn't work. Well, if you look at this passage, the Bible tells us that we are to respond with grace, but if you read it carefully, there's nothing in this text that tells us that we're supposed to remove the root of bitterness. He says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. God doesn't tell us to remove the root, but he does tell us to respond with grace. The assumption when we read this passage is to assume that the roots are always there. 
And every once in a while, they spring up. He says, a root of bitterness springing up trouble you. It will always be true that that hurt that happened to you, it happened. It will always be true that your best friend stabbed you in the back. Or it will always be true that your mate left you for somebody else. Or it will always be true that somebody else took that promotion that you thought you should have gotten on the job, but through deceit and trickery they took it. Those things will always be true. But there's a fourth statement that, he, that I want to give with you this morning, and that is this. Dealing with these hurts is not a one-time experience. It is an exercise that must be repeated every time the hurt springs up. In other words, we don't deal with the hurt just one time. It springs up, the Bible says, sometimes over and over again, and each time we have to deal with it again. An exercise that must be repeated every time the hurt springs up. We don't like the word exercise, do we, in our world today? Uh, the Bible does say bodily exercise profiteth little. And we like to use that, emphasize that little. It does profit. I do exercise. I like to tell you that once in a while because people wouldn't know it if I didn't tell you that. But I do exercise. We in our society, we want pills to fix it, or we want an operation, or we want to somehow fix things. But the Bible does say that we're to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Exercise. And so we have to exercise this matter of dealing with these hurts in our life, and when they come back up, we have to deal with it oftentimes every time the hurt comes back. So with those four statements, let me give you three things that I think will help us. First of all, notice the roots of bitterness. I want you to look at the roots. Back in verse 15 again, he says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Roots of bitterness. Now when we think about roots, it's interesting that God doesn't call this the fruit of bitterness. He calls it the root of bitterness. And there's some things about roots that are very important. First of all, these roots are covered. These roots are covered. That bitterness, we have a way of covering it, don't we? Sometimes it comes out, but for the most part, we keep it covered. We have, in our part of the country, we, we live in a beautiful area. I'm thankful for, as long as you stay south of Cincinnati, we live in a beautiful area. You know, there's a lot of beautiful things in Cincinnati, but we have the rolling hills, and we have beautiful flowers and, the, the, and, and, and trees, and the leaves have been beautiful this time of the year. Some years are not as brilliant as they have been this year, but we have some beautiful things. But you know what's interesting? I've heard people compliment the leaves of the trees, and probably more so this year than recently, but sometimes you compliment the leaves, people compliment the branches of the tree, they compliment the bark on the tree, they compliment the blossoms on the tree, they compliment the fruit on the tree, but I've never heard anybody say, wow, look at those roots on that tree, they are beautiful. Now, you don't say that. Why? Because they're covered. They're covered. You see, I don't see you this morning. I only see the expression that you choose to put on your face. Attentive interest for some of you. Bored indifference for others of you. I don't see what's really going on because we cover it, don't we? These roots are covered. Secondly, these roots are caustic. By that I mean they're roots of bitterness. 
their bitterness. There's some experiences that we've had in our life, and there's some people that we are around sometimes in our life, and they just make you sort of pucker. You, you, you just sort of look like you're sucking on a lemon. It's bitter. It's bitter. These roots are caustic. And then these roots come up. They come up. He talks about them springing up, lest any root of bitterness springing up. I would say by that phrase that it indicates that it kind of takes us by surprise sometimes. That bitterness that we've had in the past over some hurt or some pain, sometimes we've gotten it covered, but then it just sort of springs up. It doesn't come gradually. It's just suddenly there. You're, you're around somebody or there's some anniversary, something that reminds you of it. Now this morning, I think you're a very intelligent crowd here today. And so I want to give you a little quiz. Here's what we say when we have unkind words and when we have mean words towards somebody. We say something sharply and, and we oftentimes say, that's normally not what I'm like. I was just having a bad day. Or, or, or we say, that's really not who I am. I was just in a bad place. That's really not me. So here's the quiz. If I have an orange this morning and I squeeze that orange really hard, what's going to come out of the orange? Boy, that's brilliant. What kind of juice? Orange juice. Very good. All right. Got you awake now. Orange juice. So here's question number two. Why would orange juice come out of the orange when I squeeze it really hard? Because that's what's in it, right? That's what's in it. If I squeeze it just right, could I get grapefruit juice out of it? No. If I squeeze it really, really hard, could I get tomato juice out of it? No. No matter how hard I squeeze it, no matter how much pressure I put on it, I'm only going to get out of it what's already in it. Nobody ever hit their thumb with a hammer and then said a bad word that they never heard before. Right? If it's not in there, it can't come out. A young man was preaching a sermon one Sunday morning and while he was preaching, he had just been called to preach and gone to this church. And he had worked hard, studied, prepared. He had borrowed some things from different preachers. And he was preaching along, and there was an elderly lady in the service. And, and she listened, and she thought she recognized the source of one of his, uh, of his points in the message. And she said out loud, that's Charles Spurgeon. Well, it was, but he thought it was a little bit rude for her to say that. And so he just ignored her and went on, thought maybe she wouldn't say anything else. And a little bit later, she thought something that she recognized, heard something she recognized, and she said, that's D.L. Moody. And this time, he just kind of glared at her, and he figured maybe that would make her be quiet. And it didn't phase her a bit, didn't affect her. And a little bit later, she was listening, and she said, that's Billy Sunday. And all he could think of was he looked at her, and he said, lady, would you shut up and let me finish my sermon? And she said, that's you. <laughs> You see those unkind words that come out in the car on the way to church this morning or those critical statements that we say about somebody else. That's you. 
It's what's inside of us. These roots are covered. These roots are caustic. The roots come up. Notice the results of bitterness. What are the results that come from the bitterness? Listen to what he says again in verse number 15. He says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up, and what's the next two words? Trouble you. Trouble you. The first result of bitterness is difficulty for you. It's difficulty for you. You know, there's, there's some things that we kind of hang on to. We don't let them go. Some of the hurts, some of the things that happen to us. And there's some people that we've never truly forgiven because of what they've done and how they've hurt us. And we think, why could they have done such a terrible thing? They don't deserve to be forgiven. But the Bible tells us that when we have bitterness, it troubles you. It troubles me. A preacher friend of mine went to Christian college, and while he was in college, he had a situation that happened, and, and, and there was another fellow in college that, that said that somebody told him that somebody told him. And it's kind of interesting how, how a lot of times somebody said that somebody said that somebody said, and that's when we always get in trouble, isn't it? But they said that he didn't like this guy and he wanted to punch him in the face. And so this other preacher told, told this fellow's dad about it. And, and he said to his dad, he, his dad said, you've got to make it right. And, and he had a real spiritual answer to that. He said, why should I make it right? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't say it. <laughs> and so he struggled with it. And you know, the Bible tells us that when we have ought against our brother, we should go to them alone. And the whole issue is not who's at fault. The whole issue is just get it right. Just make it right. There are times when we have offended other people and we need to go to them. There are times when other people have offended us, but we can't sit down and sit back and wait for them to come to us. We go to them and we talk to them. We meet with them. We make it right. And the Bible says that we are to deal with those things. Don't let it build up in your life. It just simply gets worse and gets worse and gets worse. It festers, doesn't it? And the anger becomes greater and, and we have to deal with it. And you know a lot of times when you go to people and you try to make them right, make things right, a lot of times they'll, they'll just kind of slough it off or they'll say, oh, it's no big deal or they, I really didn't do that. You know, it, it is hard to get people who are bitter to admit that they have a problem with bitterness. I've counseled with people through the years, and you talk to them and say, I think you have a problem with bitterness. I think you're bitter. And you know what they say? I'm not bitter. <laughs> wow. How did I get that wrong, you know? <laughs> Just a little trace of resentment, you know. I'm not bitter. But here's the thing. If we harbor that trace of resentment and bitterness... It never bothers the person that we're bitter at. It always bothers me. It bothers me. It eats away at me. And so the first result of bitterness is that it causes difficulty for yourself. The second result, look back at our verse, 
Verse 15, he says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby, what's the next three words? Many be defiled. The second thing is defilement for others. Defilement for others. Now the next verse, verse number 16, look at it for a minute. It says, verse 15, thereby many be defiled. And the next verse says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now here's Esau. I would suggest to you that Esau is not a test of a bitter person. He's not an example of a bitter person. He's an example of a person who is defiled by the bitterness of somebody else. The end of verse 15, the Lord said, thereby many be defiled. You see, Esau's mother was a bitter woman. She had seen, she, she you remember, loved Jacob, and, and, and the father loved Esau. And she saw that Esau was going to get the blessing, and so she got her own son to lie to his own father and deceive him in order to try to get the, the, the blessing. She was a, a bitter person, and consequently Esau was defiled by her bitterness. Say, so how do you know that? Because a little bit later on, the Bible tells us when Esau went to get married, he married from the people that he wanted to because he saw that it displeased his parents. You see, he had been defiled by the bitterness of his mother. And so, the truth is that bitterness causes trouble for me, but then it also defiles other people around me. Now notice with me, thirdly, the remedy for bitterness. What is the remedy? The Bible tells us back in verse number 15, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. We've got to show grace. Do good to people that deserve bad. You say, how can we do that? Let me suggest some things that we can do to show good to those who deserve bad. And we can only do that with the help of the Holy Spirit in our life. The first remedy for bitterness is faith. It's faith. We must have faith. We have to have the faith that God gives to us. Now, here's another quiz that I want to give to you. You did pretty good on the last one. Here's another one. Question number one. Is there a God? Yes or no? Yes, yes. Good. You did better than the De Democrats did at their convention eight or ten years ago. Question number two. Does God love you? Did he promise to work everything together for good if you're the called according to his purpose? Yes, he did. Do you really believe that? Amen. Amen. If you have faith that God is going to work everything for your good, then you can do good to people who do bad to you. One of my favorite Bible characters is Joseph. In the statement that Joseph made about his brothers, he said, Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for his brothers sold him into slavery. They thought evil. They were mad and angry. They didn't like his dreams. They didn't like what he had to say, and so they sold him. He said, you thought it for evil, but God meant it for good. But my favorite statement that Joseph made to his brothers is this. 
He said in Genesis 45 and verse 8, It was not you that sent me hither, but God. Joseph said, It wasn't you that sent me down to Potiphar. It wasn't you that sent me to prison. It wasn't you that ended up sending me to the palace. It was God. And when we understand that the hurts and the things that happen to us is not the person who did them, but God is behind it. He works all things together for good. A lot of things happen that we don't understand. But when we have faith that all things work together for good, then I can overcome the bitterness. Roger Powell was a music director in his church for 12 years. His second child, Jessica, wanted to be a missionary from the time that she was a little girl. She was seven years old, and one Wednesday night she came into church and she ran up to her preacher. She called him Uncle Preacher. She said, Uncle Preacher, we're going to God's country tonight. And they were going down to Georgia where they were from for a wedding, to be a part of that wedding. And the preacher gave her some money to use on the trip, and they rented a van to make it a little more comfortable for their family to travel. And they were driving down I-75, and the roads were clear, but the overpasses were icy. And they slid on an overpass and hit the guardrail. They were fine, but they were bruised up a little bit. But Jessica was lying in the floor trying to sleep, and the window right where she was popped out with the impact of the van hitting the guardrail, and she was thrown out the window and smashed on the pavement and died. They called the preacher in the middle of the night and he went down to meet them at the hospital. And he said, as the preacher was driving them back, this man, Roger Powell, told him this story. He said, the chaplain came up to us in the hospital. And he said, the chaplain said, well, there's just some things that God can't help. Not my God. The Bible says, Our God sitteth in the heavens, he hath done whatsoever he please. With man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. This chaplain had been to chaplain school, but he hadn't read his Bible. He said, There's some things that God can't help. But then he went on to say, But God wants to be there to help you through the things that he can't help. In spite of the grief and in spite of the shock and the pain that Roger Powell and his family were going through, he looked in the eyes of that chaplain and he said, Mister, that was not an accident. That was an appointment. You say, what's good about a seven-year-old girl who was planning to be a missionary dying in a car accident? I didn't say that everything was good, but God works all things together for good. I know one thing that was good. Brother Powell wrote a track and put Jessica's picture on the front of it and told what happened and told of the grace of God and how people could know that grace and be saved. And thousands of those tracks were printed and given out and hundreds of people have come to know Christ through reading that track. Their church that they went to, had they did a Patch the Pirate program play like we do in, in our church and 
that year it was on Patch Goes to the Jungle, which is about missionaries. And so they dedicated it to Jessica because she wanted to be a missionary. They put her face, on, her picture on the front of the program and they invited people to come and they did the, the program and at the end the preacher gave the invitation and when he did, a young man and a young lady came forward and said, we believe God's calling us to be a missionary. And Rodney Rupel and Becky Swain went off to Bible college and got married and went to Cambodia and have been serving as missionaries for 25 years in Cambodia. And another young couple came and surrendered to go with them, to help them, to serve the Lord. I don't know all that God is doing, but I know some things that God is doing. God can bring good out of all things. Many of you knew Rebecca Randall, who was here in our church, 17 years old, just a young girl, fell asleep one night and when she was driving and hit a tree and died. I preached her funeral at her funeral, I gave an invitation like I do on Sunday morning in our church and 52 people came forward and got saved at that funeral. I don't know all that God's doing. And we don't always see all the picture of what God's doing, but we do know that all things work together for good to them that love God, those that are the called according to His purpose. We can trust God. We can have faith in the Lord. So the first remedy for bitterness is faith. The second remedy for bitterness is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. I know people say, well, you got to forgive and forget. Not really. Our mind is so made and designed that we don't really forget. They tell us we don't forget anything. They say it's all up in there somewhere. Now we can't always remember it right when we want it, but they say it's all up there somewhere. We don't forget. If I said to you this morning, if I said, Brian, what's your name? Brian. Now I said, Brian, I want you to forget your name. All right? There's nothing he can do to forget his name, is there? Unless you clobber him on the head with a hammer or something, then maybe he'll forget it. <laughs> We're, we, we don't forgive and forget. Only God has the ability to forget things. I heard about a man whose friend asked him, said, hey, he said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm doing better since I'm taking that new medicine that I've got. And he said, oh, yeah, what are you taking? He said, um, uh, what, what's that flower that has the rose petals and red petals and it has, a, has thorns on it and has, has a really good smell? And his friend said, rose. He said, hey, rose, what's that medicine that I'm supposed to be taking? <laughs> Not a, it's not as bad as another guy. These two old guys were sitting on the porch in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth, and one guy looked at the other guy and he said, I always forget, was it you or your brother that died in the war? He said. <laughs> we can forgive, but we can't forget. Forgiveness literally means to cancel the debt. To cancel the debt. A man wrote a book one time entitled, The Whole of No Hope. And he said in his book, the best definition for bitterness is forgiveness is agreeing to live with the unchangeable consequences of another's sin against me. Agreeing to live with the unchangeable consequences of another's sin against me. So when we forgive, we cancel the debt of the other person and they owe us nothing. Suppose I borrow 10 bucks from Brother Craig over here. He's got lots of money. 
And I say, Brother Craig, I want to borrow 10 bucks. I'll pay you back tomorrow. So we come to church tomorrow, and he says, uh, 10 bucks, you know. And I say, oh, I forgot. I'll pay you Wednesday. So Wednesday comes, and I, I don't pay me. He says, oh, I, I forgot, Brother Craig. I'll, I'll pay you on, on Thursday. So we come Thursday, and I don't have the money. Oh, I forgot. I'll, I'll pay you the next day. And finally, Brother, Greg, Brother Craig says to me, he says, uh, he said, I'll just forgive the debt. Just forget about the 10 bucks. I got plenty of money. Forget about the 10 bucks. And he can do that. Or he could say, preacher, the 10 bucks doesn't really matter that much to me, but thinking that you keep your word does mean a lot to me, and I really wish you'd pay that back. He could do that. But what he cannot do is tell me that he's forgiving the debt and the next day go and tell you that I still owe him 10 bucks. Because if he forgave me the debt, I don't owe him anything. When we forgive the one who has hurt us, we're willing to live with the consequences. They don't owe us anything anymore. Heard about a man who went to a marriage counselor. It's just a story now because a man wouldn't go to a marriage counselor because men don't have any problems that they will admit to. But he went to the counselor and he said to the counselor, he said, he said sir, he said, the counselor said, what, what, what's the problem? He said, it's my wife. And the counselor said, well, well, what is it about your wife? What's wrong with your wife? He said, every time we have an argument, she gets historical. He said, the counselor said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, 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 I mean historical. Every time we get in an argument, she remembers everything that I've ever done against her. She gets historical. <laughs> you know, it would be amazing how short the arguments would be if it was just the muddy footprints on the kitchen floor that you had to deal with and not all the other things that happened in the rest of your life that is brought up and you're reminded of. Forgiveness means you cancel the debt. You don't keep bringing it up. It's forgiven. It's gone. And then when it springs up again, you apply grace again. And you may have to remind yourself that it is forgiven. It's forgiven. There's one other part to the remedy. Faith and forgiveness. The third part is fight. The third, third part is fight. I know some of you are thinking right now, that's my part. I'm ready to fight. Boy, I'm going to fight anybody. No, the Bible says that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it says, casting down imaginations and bringing every thought into captivity for the obedience of Christ. You see, the battle for success or failure in your Christian life is fought and waged and won and lost right here in our mind. Whoever controls your mind controls you. And that's why the Bible says that we have to cast down imaginations. We're to bring every thought into captivity, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do we bring every thought into captivity? Do we control those thoughts? Here's what we need to do. Get you some three by five cards. Write some verses on them that deal with the problem, whatever it is that you're struggling with, and memorize those verses. And every time the devil brings back up that hurt or pain, quote that verse to the devil. 
You may have to quote it over and over and over and over again, but I got an idea. If we use the weapons of the Word of God against the devil, the thing that the devil's trying to get us away from, we use it to bring us to God. After the while, the devil will leave you alone. We've got to be willing to fight. We've got to be willing to stand, to do battle when the difficulties come in our life and when those bitterness bitter feelings rise up and come back again. Everybody has been hurt. These hurts can turn to bitterness. God tells us to respond to these hurts with grace. Dealing with these hurts is not a one-time experience, but it's an exercise that we must repeat every time the hurt springs back up again. I heard about a lady who had been abused terribly She went to court, and the man was convicted and went to prison. And when he went to prison, she went to her preacher and she said, Preacher, how can I deal with the pain and the hurt? And he said, well, the Bible tells us some things about how we should deal with those issues. And he said, one of the things the Lord says is, do good to them that despise you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for your enemies. You know, that's probably not what she wanted to hear right then. But the man went to prison and she decided she would do what the Bible said. And she said, I decided I'm going to send some gifts at certain times of the year to this man in prison for personal needs that he has that will help him things he doesn't have there. And she began to send him these gifts. She began to pray for him, not that God would judge him, but that he would get saved. Time passed, she got married, she had children, she had a family. The man served his time and got out of prison, and one day she was in the grocery store, and she walked down an aisle, and she turned the corner, and there she met face to face with that man that had so terribly abused her. You know what she said? She said, you know what I felt? She said, absolutely nothing. Because God had given her the victory over the pain in her life. It was gone. And God can give you and God can give me the victory. Those things will spring back up, but we apply it with grace. and We let God give us victory as we bring every thought into captivity. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Father... I know there are many people here today that struggle with bitterness. And the hurts keep coming back up again. Would you give us grace? Would you help us not to think that we forgot them and it'll never bother us again, but may we understand that the devil will stir things up. That root will spring back up. But would you help us that we'll not fail of the grace of God? And may we understand that that bitterness only troubles me. And then it defiles many others around me. Would you help us today to bring those hurts and pains to you? And to respond in a godly way to forgive 
To cancel the debt. Not forget, but cancel the debt. Would you give us victory in our lives?